You're listening to the Great Synth 68 Podcast, the dedicated Birmingham City women's audio show bringing you the latest news and interviews from the club. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 52 of the Great Synth 68 Podcast, the dedicated weekly women's football podcast about all things Birmingham City. I hope you've enjoyed our special episodes over the course of the past three weeks. If you haven't heard them, check them out. We spoke to journalists Rich Laverty, Molly Hudson, Susie Rack and Kieran Tavum about the role the media plays in women's football. We also celebrated our 50th episode with a look back at the 2012 FA Cup win with help from special guests. Back tonight though, and I am joined by Chris and Kaz. First of all, Kaz, how have you been? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. How about you, Chris? Yeah, good, thank you, Craig. We begin this week's show with the news that Birmingham City have appointed Marta Tejador as our new manager. The 50-year-old Spanish coach has an abundance of experience having managed across Europe and South America. On her resume, she has also managed Atletico Madrid, the Chilean national side, the Peruvian national side, and Spanish second division champions CD Tacon. She has also worked as an instructor for FIFA since 2012, helping to improve the level of football across the globe. She's worked in such places as Russia, Equatorial Guinea, Uruguay and Lithuania. While I've been away, I've been reading Hope Powell's autobiography and she stated she's done similar work since leaving her post as England manager. Going out and seeing the world, teaching football in places where you not don't necessarily speak the language is surely a benefit, Chris. Yeah, coaching in, in the country she has, coaching all over the world, you know, she... She's bound to have picked up um, an array of of different ideas, um, you know, and which which w- over the years will have helped shape her her own philosophy on the game. And hopefully, over the over the next few years, that will be brought to Blues. Um, it's a it's a jam packed CV, and and hopefully we can get the best out of it. It surely makes you improve the way that you get your message across when language is a barrier. Otherwise, uh, Kaz. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, you just start to look at the performance against Chelsea to see what she's going to bring into the squad. All right, I know she only had like three days, was it, she said? Mm. But I think, not taking anything away from Mark, but you can see what she's trying to do. Our new boss also has a degree in physical education and is also studying for a degree in psychology. We've seen how well Tanya Oxtoby has done with her psychological background, Kaz, at Bristol. Do you think her studies will be a benefit to us as a team or a hindrance if her focus is slightly elsewhere on the education? No, I seriously think it's a good good thing to have in all teams, uh, male or female. Psychology, you know, a lot of people suffer with depression and stuff. So at least if we've got players in the team that do suffer with anxiety or stress or depression she's always there to give them some advice i guess yeah absolutely i think um i'll just point out you know kaz is right there um you know and and the one thing that that we took from uh, mark is that his philosophy you know something that was very important to him was that they are people over players first and foremost they're they're people um and as you say we've with Marta, um, you know, on her on her psychology degree, you know, learning more about people in general, then hopefully she can connect with with the players on a personal level, which will ha- which will benefit 
you know, on, on the playing side as well. Yeah, absolutely. The team is a very tight-knit one, and as they bring in new players, it's good to integrate them with and understand them on a personal level, as you say. She comes into the game, in England at least, as relatively unknown. Marta is our first female manager since Laura Harvey, who left the club in 2008. In fact, her appointment now means there are more female head coaches in the WSL than men, with a majority of six to five in favour of the women. Is this a sign of clubs are more willing to give female coaches a chance, Kaz, or is it just a coincidence? No, I think, uh, obviously, you, you look at the likes of uh, Hope Powell and Laura Harvey, what they've actually done for the women's sport. So I think in all credit, I think if you're male or female, you should be given the chance. So it's I think it's a good thing that there's more women in the game now managing than men because then it just shows you what we can actually do as a as females yeah absolutely she's also coached youth sides in the men's game in the past do you think that kind of experience gives coaches an edge in the women's game chris yeah de- de- definitely you know wherever you've coached whatever whatever age range or or gender you've coached like as i said you know we with her moving from from country to country um i think you you always pick up new new ideas, new ways to treat people, um, depending on their age and and things like that. And you you just get to know how how different people react um, to different things and different coaching methods. Um, and and as I say, her her experience will hopefully, you know, over the course of her coaching career, she'll have picked up some very good ideas um, and and learn about how best to, to 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 get the best out of people and, and the players that we've got in the squad. Working for three days um, and getting the result that we did against Chelsea, um, if that's the sign of things to come, then, then you know, we're in for a, a very exciting couple of years. Absolutely. In her first interview with the club, she had the following to say, I'm looking forward to getting started and seeing how we can improve the team. We cannot stay where we are now. It is necessary to keep developing. I like teams that keep the ball, but it's not always about having the ball and playing it short like Tiki Taka. What is really useful is to find a way which is practical for every situation. I like to go and get the ball as soon as possible so we can create chances to score. So looking at what she had to say, she appears to have a similar style in mind as Mark had previously, a possession-based style of football, but perhaps not as extreme as Mark wanted at times. At times we perhaps played the ball or passed the ball rather at all costs, even at the edge of the six yard box this season. It appears Marta is looking for something different. What do you think, Chris? I can see I can definitely see similarities between the the ethos, if you like, of, of Marta and Mark. The one thing I'd say is when you're in possession of the ball, I think both coaches will will demand that the players are brave in possession of the ball. Um, you know, and and try things um, and and look for a, a way in which we can which we can get the ball forward and attack teams. Uh, I don't think that will change. The, the defensive solidity of the side is there for all to see. You know, we've we've scored goals a plenty this season, much more than we have done over the last year and a half. Um, and if that, as I say, if that continues, if the if the players can buy into into Marta's ethos, um, you know, like they did with Mark. And, and they continue in, in the vein that they have been, then hopefully the, the next couple of years will be as, 
as fruitful as the last eight, eight or nine months have been. She's only got six league games left, Kaz. Do you think to some degree it's going to be business as usual until the end of the season before she truly puts her stamp on the team? Sorry, Middlesbrough just gone 1-0 down. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, shocking, isn't it? Sorry, repeat the question again. <laughs> I, was, I was watching the game. She's got six league games left, Kaz. Do you think to some degree it's going to be business as usual until the end of the season or but before she really puts a stamp on the team? Do you know what? Watching the Chelsea game back, I think she'd already, she's already put a stamp on the game because I didn't even know Charlie Wellens could play like that. Like them balls Charlie was putting in, I have never seen Charlie, even for England, do that. So I think at the minute she, she's gonna put a, she is putting a stamp on the game. But obviously we've got to look at what players she might bring in or what players she's going to let go. So I think these six games, I'm not even going to judge how we finish or whatever. I'm just going to give her next season and see how she progresses. That seems like a smart way to go, Kaz. On to the Chelsea game then. It was Tejador's first game in charge and what a way to begin your time at the club than with a win over the reigning champions. It was Birmingham City's first away win at Chelsea since 2012. Rachel Williams with the goal on that occasion. With Rachel out till next season, it was the chance for someone else to step up and take it to Chelsea and what a team performance it proved to be. It didn't get off to the best of starts though as former Blues player Karen Carney nutmegged Meg Sargent by the corner flag before delivering a cross that was headed in by Erin Cuthbert. I'm not sure what, uh, who was meant to be tracking Erin, but she runs into the box unopposed and had an easy header to make it 1-0. Hannah Hampton then denied Beth England from close range to prevent Chelsea extending their lead. Birmingham then responded when Lucy Quinn's low cross was turned in by Emma Follis. I'm sure there was a time when Emma didn't score, but it seems like every other week at the moment she's getting goals, which is great to see. Follis then had a chance to get the second after a nice cross from Charlie Wellings from the right-hand side, but Follis dragged the shot wide. Then came the first of two incredible goals for the Blues. Lucy Quinn from outside the area hit a looping effort into the top corner with Carly Telford completely outfoxed. Telford wasn't the only one to misjudge a shot though as Chelsea equalised to make it 2-2. Cuthbert fired in a second of the game with a free kick that curled all the way past everyone and into the bottom corner. But the story wasn't over there though. Enter the woman on fire herself, Ellen White. Making her return from injury, she latched on to Wellings' perfectly weighted cross with a controlled volley to win it for Birmingham in injury time. Perhaps listeners will remember the game against Chelsea last season where Chelsea snatched it late on. Well, this certainly was a bit of payback for that one. It was certainly a superb performance and one that probably none of us expected given the events of the previous week or so leading up to this one, Chris. Yeah, you know, on our podcast, I think we were the, the the preview to it. We were suggesting that we'd we'd certainly more be more than happy taking a point from the game, and then a two one up, um, you're clinging on and you're hoping that that we can hold on and and Chelsea get that equaliser, and and your mind goes back to the to the Arsenal quarter final a couple of weeks before, and you think, oh, you know, if the, if this happens to this group of players again, then it's going it's going to really affect them. But to respond the way they did, um, you know, to throwing bodies on the line in the last five minutes, and and have it, but having that that threat, that counter attack, and Kaz mentioned it, Charlie Wellings, you know, her 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 delivery from from wide areas was absolutely outstanding. Two or three really really good deliveries uh, into dangerous areas, 
and an absolutely inch perfect ball over the top for Ellen to finish in in ridiculous fashion, um, considering she's been on the pitch for for twenty minutes or so. You know, with, but that that's the Ellen we expect. But I think you know, you have to give credit to to every one of those players working for for three days with the new manager away at Chelsea, which you know the run that they were on is probably the most difficult fixture in the league at the moment, and to come away with three points was. I think it's arguably the result of the season for me. Yeah, it was absolutely a great result, Chris. And as you say, Charlie Wellings deserves a special mention. As you mentioned, she was not she's not necessarily getting the goals this season, but she's really starting to be a threat with her passes and getting assists. They uh, they got away with it a bit earlier on when Emma pulled a shot wide, but it was almost a like for like uh, cross that they didn't learn and played it into Ellen, and she gets the winning goal. It's just great to see that Charlie Wellings is um, having such an impact, even though maybe she's not getting the goals that she might want to uh, in previous seasons. Another another great goal, Chris, was obviously Lucy's one. She scored a great goal against Man City away from home last season. This one was arguably better than that one. It's so instinctive. Um, you know, the it's it's really nice build-up between three or four of our players in the build-up to it. And as it falls to Lucy, she just cuts across it and... It looks for all the world like it's going miles over and then it's the dip on it and the swerve and it nestles in the corner absolutely beautifully. And Telford, as you say, just was a bystander watching it go in. Um, if I was to be overly critical of Telford, I think she probably would be disappointed that she didn't make a better effort of it. But um, take nothing away from Lucy. She, she's another one this season that when she's when she's started games, when she's come into games, when we need her, um, you know, she always looks a threat. She always looks as you know as a goal scoring ability to her, um, you know, and and it showed, it paid off brilliantly against Chelsea. You know, to put us, as I say, to put us two one up, which considering we went one 0 down, um, you know, we had a rocky fifteen twenty minutes where Chelsea had a couple of chances. They could have been. They could have been two or three nil up in the first twenty minutes, but you know the the effort and the spirit in this squad to to come back. Um, as I say, in in what I deem to be the most difficult game of the season, Chelsea away, and 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 do what they did is is absolutely full testament to the players. Yeah, absolutely. And the the first goal for us obviously was Emma Follis. I think that's her fourth league goal of the season. She's been put into the centre role. She's really take, taking that moment and scoring the goals, Chris. She's re- uh, finally, once she's got the goal, she's, the goals just keep coming now. Yeah, it's, it's confidence. You know, when, when you're playing with confidence and, and you get in those areas, you don't you don't believe that you're going to miss. And I'm sure when Lucy Quinn put that ball across, Emma, Emma's always lit up and, you know, she, she probably thought there's no way I'm, I'm not getting this in the back of the net. And Lucy, we've mentioned Lucy, Charlie and Emma now. And then obviously Ellen, Ellen coming on in the second half. I think they're so, you know, the the qualities that they possess make them so interchangeable. And you know, whether it's Emma, Lucy, or Charlie who who end up in the penalty box when when a chance comes. Um, you know, the the fact that they can play out wide, link up with each other. You know, what one of them goes into the forward role. You know, it, it makes us a really dangerous side to defend against when when we're so interchangeable and the positions are very flexible. And as I say, Emma's benefited when she's been up front. Lucy Quinn's got her goals and, and Charlie's been instrumental in the build-up and link-up to everything. Then we come on to Ellen, of course, a woman for the big occasions. She loves these big matches and perhaps it 
means a little bit more to her playing against Chelsea. After all, she suffered FA Cup final heartbreak at Wembley against them during her Notts County days. Do you agree with that, Kaz? A little, yeah. Uh, obviously, we know what Ellen's like. Get, put her against anybody, she'll nine times out of ten, she'll score a goal. So it was nice to see her come back and actually show us what we've been kind of missing the whole season. Uh, but it was nice to see Ellen back. So hopefully she can push on now and try and catch up to the Medema. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, given how well we've done without Ellen, the, the fact that Ellen's back now and we can get even more goals, it, it must uh, frighten a few teams, Chris. And Man City probably uh, grateful they don't have to play us again next this season. Yeah, I, 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 honestly, you know, and I, I made this point, I've made this point before, and I, and I honestly do believe it that if the the side we've got, if we've got, if Ellen White's available all season. Um, and Rachel Williams is available all season and Marissa's available all season. I believe we are genuine title contenders. And I think you're probably saying, you know, Arsenal, Man City and Chelsea. I think especially Arsenal and Man City as they're the ones in the ascendancy at the moment. I think they're probably glad that there's not nine games left of the season as opposed to six. Because, you know, we've I think we've got Arsenal to play at home. Um, but we haven't got to play City or Chelsea again between now and the end of the season. And, you know, those, those six games are, are winnable, in my opinion. Are, what, are we five or six points off the top? Five or six points off the Champions League spots. So, if there was nine games left, I think that those teams might have, might have one eye um, on what, what, we're, what we're capable of with Ellen in the side. Marta wasn't the only new face to join Birmingham City at the end of January. We also welcomed two new signings in the form of Alex Brooks and Claudia Walker. Walker was the first to be announced. She joined the club on loan from fellow WSL side Everton until the end of the season. The 22-year-old striker began her career at Stoke City's youth squad before moving on to Liverpool and then Everton. She suffered a hamstring injury last season that kept her out for most of the season, but is now fit and raring to go once more. Walker has been capped at youth level for England and has played alongside the likes of Aoife Mannion, Paige Williams and Sarah Mayling at English uh, under underage level. She has also scored seven times in nine matches during the spring series, but has found herself a bit of a part-time player this season. She's made most of her appearances from the bench. Everton have struggled this season for whatever reason, but Walker has still found herself unable to get a regular start. Is that a bad sign, Chris, or is it just a sign of a player that's been out of favour since her return from injury? Uh, you'd hope so, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I've I haven't seen a great deal of her. Kaz might have seen a bit more of her than than I have, but um, you know, I I think that that I remember that long ham that that long injury she had, and you know, you ask you ask someone like Emma, it took Emma a while, you know, after being out for so long to get back properly back into into the swing of football, and obviously Walker hasn't played a great deal of of 90 minute action consecutively so hopefully you know if she get if she gets the chance at blues then she can she can regain some of that some of that form that really really blossomed her into England under 23 status you know and and if we get that Claudia Walker then she'll definitely be an asset to us Absolutely. Getting to work with the likes of Alan White is certainly a welcome prospect for Claudia, no doubt. And hopefully her game will develop while she's here. And who knows, we might make it a permanent deal at the end of the season. The other signing we made was, of course, Alex Brooks. She is a 24-year-old goalkeeper from Sheffield United. 
It is believed to be a multiple year deal and the move was almost in jeopardy late on on transfer deadline day. Brooks had played for Blackburn Rovers and Sheffield United already this season and league rules dictate you cannot play for more than two teams. You can register for free clubs but only can play for two. So it is our understanding that the club was given special dispensation to sign Brooks. We only had one senior goalkeeper at the time in Hannah Hampton, so it's likely that swayed the FA. That kind of thing sets a bad precedent though, doesn't it, Kaz? It does, yeah. Uh, I think if it was any other club that had needed a goalkeeper and that, like, we want, they wouldn't have needed any special treatment. They would have just been given it. So uh, I think it's just like very harsh on Alex, obviously, but she got a move. So hopefully we might get to see a player. Yeah, hopefully. Possibly against Yeovil on the weekend. We'll wait and see about that one. Brooks came through the ranks at Manchester City in their youth setup, having joined the club at the age of just eight. She signed her first professional contract in 2015, but things didn't work out for her and she was out on loan to Everton the following season. She left Man City then to join AFC Fylde in 2017. Brooks has played for a total of five teams in four years. Six if she starts against Yeovil on Sunday. Is that a bad sign, Chris? Or is that just added incentive to now bed down and really commit to one club? Once she's played for Man City, I think I think you're looking, you know, t- teams will be looking at that to say that, that there's obviously something about her. And the fact that, that people keep wanting to sign her, you know, you, you can look at it one of two ways. She she doesn't stick around very often or, or people want to sign her. Obviously, you know, our our situation with you know, with Chelsea signing Anne um in the in the transfer window left us pretty bare in the goalkeeper department. So it's good to have it's good to have competition with Hannah. Um, you know, and and Alex Alex is an experienced goalkeeper, you know, that you know, the the clubs she's been at are you know, are are big clubs and 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 she's played a lot of football and hopefully if called upon then then she'll be able to help us this season. Sim- similar with Walker. She has previously worked with goalkeeping coach Tony Elliott, so hopefully he can get her game back to where she wants it to be. Brooks and Hampton then are our two keepers. Do you see a similar situation to when we signed Anne-Catherine Berger happening? Sophie Bagley and Anne-Catherine Berger trading back and forth for the starting jersey till the end of the season? I think so, yeah. I would say yes. But I don't think you could take Hannah out of the team at this precise moment in time. The girls did wonders. Like... I think there was only like a minority of fans were like, we need a goalkeeper. We need a goalkeeper because Hannah's not. Re- but she proven against the big clubs in how many games has she started, Hannah, this season? It's probably on, half break. a dozen now, isn't it? Right. So there's only one mistake the lass has done and that was against Manchester City. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I- all, all good goalkeepers make mistakes. But I think Hannah should be our number one. No offence to Alex. I, I think I'd agree with that, you know, and Alex will understand that, you know, she's coming to the club where Hannah Hampton is is the is the player in control of the number one jersey, um, and it's up to Alex to to perform well enough in training to to displace Hannah. Hannah's shown that she's you know she's she's deserving of that number one spot at the moment until you know hopefully she doesn't prove otherwise. You know, she's as you say she's. She's barely put a foot wrong um, this season. Uh, you know, she she's growing in confidence. She's growing in stature behind a defence that that will help her out a lot. 
And I think the one thing with the new manager coming in, I suppose it gives it gives her an opportunity to look at both new keepers and decide which one she feels is best. But you know, obviously Hannah Hannah is in charge at the moment and, until otherwise. You need competition. It just pushes goalkeepers to be better than they would be if they had they could rest on their laurels and go, oh yes, I'm the only keeper. So it's good that Hannah's got competition. And as you say, Hannah is playing well, and she's she's going to have to do. Alex is going to have to do something really um, great in training to impress to take that jersey offer. So following the Chelsea game, we were expected to face Yeovil Town this past weekend, but the weather had other ideas. Due to temperatures plummeting and snowfall across the UK, the majority of FA Cup ties on Sunday were called off. We will instead face Yeovil this upcoming weekend, which means our scheduled game against Everton will be pushed back. We will update you on the date of the rearranged fixture with Everton when the news comes out. So with our place in the cup assured, at least for another week, the draw for the next round took place on Monday evening on uh, BBC News. Our ball in the draw was number seven and we were drawn against possibly Reading or Keisham Town. Obviously, obviously Reading, we played them last year in the FA Cup and got a 1-0 win thanks to Marissa Ewers. That was also away, Chris. What do you think of the draw? Um, it's away from home again, which is you know a, a bit frustrating. Obviously, you'd, you'd you'd much prefer a home draw, but um, we've avoided the big three. Two of the big three are drawn each other. Um, you know, so you'd back us. You look at the league table. You look at the way we've performed against Reading over the last half a dozen games or so, and you'd hope that we we can we can continue our good run of form against them um, and hope that there's no retribution for last season and, and continue our FA Cup journey. Absolutely. We, of course, can't look past Yeovil Town who we take on this weekend as they they almost surprised us towards the end of our last game against Yeovil Kaz. So we've got to be up for this one and not let uh, the occasion get to us. I don't think Kaz oh, is okay to talk at the moment. It's a good job we don't do this live. Uh, yeah, Yeah, uh, sorry. We definitely need to show up against Jovel on uh, on Sunday, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, I can't have two teams out the FA Cup. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, For those listeners who don't know, understand that Kaz is a Middlesbrough fan in the men's game. So, and currently, currently as we're recording this, yep. They're playing currently against Newport and they're apparently losing, I think. Are they still losing? 2-0. Yeah, so definitely, I think uh, we best be on our game on Sunday or I am going to kick some asses. <laughs> so I hope the players are listening to this, right? Don't upset Kaz. Oh, you're getting your asses kicked like yeah. <laughs> yeah. you'll have to You'll have to get on that coach sharpish from Dorchester if, if, if that happens because oh. Kaz will be running after the coach. Apart from that game, apart from our game against Yeovil, and which could lead to a game against Reading or Keisham Town, the pick of the round is obviously Arsenal versus Chelsea. It's a repeat of last year's final. It's it's obviously a, a big clash, and it gets out one of the big teams, Chris. So we have more chances the uh, rounds progress as long as we do well. Yeah, like you say, if you always want the the, the bigger teams, if you like. Um... To, to draw each other, so you, you know, you'd you'd rather face teams, you know, with all due respect, that are below you in the league, and you know, you want the the chances are if you're going to win the cup, you're going to have to play one at least one, if not two of them, at some stage. Um, but you know, the 
the easier route you can get to the final, the better. Um, you know, but Red, Yeovil is told, you know, we've we've drawn, uh, assuming Reading di- uh, dispose of Keynesham, um, then we'll have drawn two top tier sides, which, you know, it's not the easiest route we've ever had. And, and they're both away from home, as I say, which is, you know, makes things a little bit tougher. But where we are in the league, we, we've got to back ourselves to beat any, we, we, we do back ourselves to beat anybody on our day. And hopefully we we get past the oval, um, and we've got a we've got a, another feisty affair at Reading to to look forward to. Absolutely, and given especially this season, we've got a great record away from home. We've beaten the likes of Liverpool for the first time in ages. Now Chelsea for the first time in ages. So Kaz, it, it could be a, 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 a hat trick of great wins away from home. Oh, definitely! Like the season we got to the FA Cup final, we had to play Arsenal. We had play uh, Chelsea. Chelsea yeah. We had to play so, all three, didn't we then? Yeah. We did, yes. Playing at home, playing away, it's going to make us a lot stronger, especially if we do beat Yeovil to go to Redden, because we all know what a feisty affair that is. And for a place in the quarterfinals at stake, it's going to add a bit extra spice to that one for certain. Yeah. Looking ahead to the weekend then, obviously it's Yeovil Town. Yeovil Town have been much improved this season on last year. Megan Walsh, again, a key player for them. Also, they seem to pick up goals at the moment. They're scoring more goals and they're getting their chances to celebrate. And they're they're getting so close to getting points and wins that as we follow their journey this season, Chris. Hopefully it's not going to happen this weekend, but obviously we've we've been there before. We had a draw, but it can't end in a draw, luckily for us, this time around because it's a cup game. Yeah, um, you know, obviously, you, you don't ideally want it to go to extra time and penalties. You'd, you'd rather get it done in the ninety minutes. I think Yeovil are just benefiting from from playing in the top league and playing against the, you know, top tier teams week in week out, and you know they're getting used to to understanding what it takes to to compete against these teams. Um, you know, but obviously, yeah, you know, they're that they are struggling down the bottom again this season. They're in a relegation fight. Um, I'm sure that that's not going to be in their mind. I'm sure they're not going to take their eye off the FA Cup just because they're they're in a relegation fight. Um, you know, so that they'll be they'll be well up for it. They'll be you know they'll they'll look at the draw and and think Reading away. You know, there's no reason why. In, I'm sure in their heads that they can't be eyeing up a quarter final space as well, pulling off two shocks beating uh, Blues and Reading. So, you know, like Kaz said, we've we've got to go into it seriously. We've got to take it as seriously as we would if we were playing Arsenal, Chelsea or Man City. Um, and I'm sure if we do, we'll, we'll come away with the right result. And it's credit to Yeovil this season that given that they've moved stadiums from Yeovil itself to Dorchester, which is a bit of a trek compared to where it was last season, they've, they've managed to increase the crowds, which is pretty impressive and it goes to show what a community-based club it is, Kaz, that Yeovil have managed to move, but yet keep their fan base and even grow it. Yeah, that's a credit to, obviously, the, the club itself. It can only get better for them, can't it? And looking towards the game, it's time for predictions. So we'll start with you, Kaz. What do you think the score is going to be on Sunday? 3-0. Two. Birmingham, obviously. <laughs> Had to be sure. What a, what a question. <laughs> And goal scorer, Kaz? Oh, do you know what? Lucy Quinn. 
Lucy Quinn. Okay, so Kaz has gone for 3-0 and Lucy Quinn to score. Chris, what do you think? Uh, I will go um, a controlling 2-0 win for Blues and Lucy Staniforth to score. Okie doke. That's 2-0 and Lucy Staniforth. And I'm going to go for a 2-0 win and I'm going to say Charlie Wellings. It's going to happen one of these weeks, I'm sure. Mm. So that's all for this week's show. Thank you all for listening and we will see you next time. And that was the Great Sense 68 podcast. To listen to future shows or listen back to our previous ones, go to iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you may use. And search for Great Sense 68 and subscribe today. Thanks for listening and remember, keep right on.